going to emphasize fundamentals, you got to go the full mile. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The Pirates dropped one to the Cubs late last night at Wrigley Field by a 6-5 count. And I'm using that verb advisedly. The Cubs won on, of all things, a pop-up to the second baseman. Only the second baseman was Wilmer Defoe, who butchered his team's specific instructions on how to handle pop-ups at Wrigley. And this after beginning the game by overthrowing his pitcher on a ball just, you know, back to the pitcher. You know, like not a play, but just throwing the ball back to the pitcher. Now, if this is a really good player, if this is someone who's a part of your future, you just say, hey, had a rough day. You know, Grin and Barrett, we like what he brings otherwise. This isn't him. But this player isn't that. This player is just another spare part, just another bench guy. Yeah, he's... Among the team's most vocal guys, he's kind of chirpy. And when he was down in the minor leagues in the middle of the season, Derek Shelton and others brought up how much he was missed and his presence and blah, blah, blah. Listen, Shelton has had his issues in his two years as manager. Most of those related to pitching changes. If you listen to this show regularly, you'll know that I don't hold that as a real high priority. It's very obvious the impact of a move related to the pitcher, but there are exactly 30 managers across Major League Baseball who have no clue how to handle pitching moves according to their fan bases. That's just how it is. Because you only remember the ones that go wrong. You never take note of the ones that go well. Simple as that. Listen, I'm not putting myself above that. I do the same thing. Been doing it my whole life. But as I take a more objective look at what the role of a manager is in 2021 in modern baseball, I stress first and foremost fundamentals. And that's the principal reason that I've felt as strongly as I have about the job that Shelton's done this season, in spite of this team careening hard toward 100 losses. There's a lot of different things that I can live with in year one and a half, if you want to call it that, of a build, of a build from the ground up. There are a lot of things that are going to go wrong. There's going to be bad offense. There's going to be bad pitching. But the one thing the Pirates have not had this season, in spite of a couple of really high-profile screw-ups, and maybe the one from last night will become that as well, is bad defense. They've been a top 
five team in the majors. Defensively, they've been really sharp, fundamentally. And part of the reason for that is that the manager has instilled it, has put in practices that he's learned from other organizations where he's been, that he's learned from his own studies, that he's learned, I'm sure, from some of the coaches on his own staff right now. And they have collectively done a really, really good job of this. You can't let that slide. And by that, I'm talking about last night. That guy, Defoe, isn't important. Mitch Keller and his six superlative innings, that matters. David Bednar and his two superlative innings, that matters. Those are two of my seven guys who matter on this roster. This guy, Defoe, doesn't matter. And you can't put up with it. You don't have to go draconian and DFA the guy or release him the next day or do any kind of message sending or whatever else. But you can't be putting him out there to start. That's silly. It benefits absolutely no one. You can't be buddies with these guys. You can't be their pal. You can't reward the guy because he's always upbeat and chirpy. If he's going to go out there and denigrate the thing that you're working at. Listen, if it sounds like I'm overly whatever about this, so be it. Like I said, there's a lot of different things about this season and the way it's gone for the Pirates that I can let skate. But when you start seeing fundamentals and, and maybe, maybe, maybe a sign that they're somehow, eh, that's okay, we can kind of accept that. Like some of the stuff that we saw or heard Whenever Gregory Polanco would mess up in right field or look lazy or look unfocused or whatever, and the manager would give him some kind of, well, it seemed like the grass was kind of slippery. This was Shelton's explanation of the defo sequence, meaning the pop-up that just plopped down right next to him. No, I think I think off the bat, uh, instead of getting behind it, he drifted to it. And you cannot drift to any balls in this ballpark with the way the wind plays. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's uh, it's a frustrating loss because we battled our butts off the entire game. And uh, he's just got he's got to get behind that baseball. Hey, whatever. You don't have to say it to us. You don't have to embarrass the guy publicly. There's no there's no doubting whether or not Tifo was trying to catch the ball or whether he had appropriate effort. But as you heard Shelton himself say, there's a certain way that the Pirates expect their fielders to handle pop-ups and fly balls in that particular ballpark, and it wasn't followed. It wasn't followed. There has to be some visible accountability internally when things like this happen, even if it's in the long term. No, I don't expect Defoe to be back next season. Why would I? What has he done to deserve being back? Nothing. Not a blessed thing. So find a way. Find your own way to make it clear to everyone in the organization that that wasn't okay. That wasn't okay. 
we might not notice or care if Wilmer Defoe ever takes another at bat this season. But believe you me, they'll notice on the inside. They'll notice it throughout the organization. Go ahead, lose 100 games. Don't let this singularly important component of your identity slip away. Don't do that. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by our friends at North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of Steak on a Stone, home of the planet's only fully committed Pittsburgh baseball club sports bar, front-to-back, wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling Pirates memorabilia dating back to the full 135-year history. It's an amazing collection. And when you're in there, it feels like a baseball place. Great place to watch games when the Pirates are on the road, as they are this week. But more than that, just a great place. Tremendous food and good people. Visit North Shore Tavern. Our question for today comes from Cozy, who asks, DK, is Ben Charrington really going to leave Gonzo in Greensboro all year? Also, does him getting about 15 to 20 games in double-A at the end of this year really even make a difference in his development? Um, Gonzo, obviously, is a reference to Nick Gonzalez, the Pirates' number one draft pick in 2020. And I've been barking a bit myself about Gonzalez staying at high-A Greensboro when he has completely ripped up the league, especially of late with his ridiculous two-game barrage this week with five home runs and 15 RBIs. And no, I did not misspeak. That was two games. For the season, Gonzalez is batting three oh three with 16 home runs and 47 RBIs in 306 plate appearances. He's done a lot of good things in a span of 66 games. And yes, especially in light of the fact that some of his draft peers have moved higher, meaning around baseball, than Gonzalez, it looks especially conspicuous that he's still in A-ball. However, there are a couple of considerations here. One is that even though he's doing great and killing it and everything else, he has played 66 games, meaning these 66 games of professional baseball. That's it. Remember that the pandemic kept everybody down. Second, to answer one of your sub-questions there, no, the difference really isn't that huge. Uh, More and more with each passing year, you hear 
scouts and baseball evaluators say that the lines are being blurred between the various minor league levels. Gonzalez could have gone to Altoona, and all that would have been accomplished is that he'd have to meet a whole new group of people, adjust to a bunch of other circumstances, and, as you point out yourself, get a maximum of a couple dozen games in. Third, and finally, and this is right from Charrington's mouth, so you don't have to guess at it, this GM values players competing for team championships in the minors. He wants them to learn how to win together. He wants them to experience the real highs that come with a scenario like, for example, Gonzalez hitting that walk-off grand slam the other night against Hudson Valley, the team they're trying to fend off for a playoff spot. If you saw the video of this, it's pretty dramatic stuff. And the entire Greensboro bench, I was about to say, comes hopping out of the dugout, except that they're called the grasshoppers. And they're all waiting for him, and they're jumping up and down, doing that thing that happens in baseball games after big walk-offs. But this was, <laughs> by any uh, definition, a really, really big one for that team. He likes that. He does not uh, dismiss the value of collective development in addition to individual development. So every time I, like I said, bark a bit over where Gonzalez is, I remember that part of it, and I'm kind of swayed right back. So I hope that answers your question. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one on Monday. 